Well, welcome back to The Fit Chap, a podcast devoted to the fitness and well-being of prospective chaplains coming into the United States Army. I'm your host, Jason Phipps, and it is great to have you all tuning in. I have gotten some good feedback since our last episode, and I just want to say thank you to those individuals who have chimed in. Please continue providing that feedback. Before I introduce our guest for this month, I was thinking about this, that uh, regardless of what component you're in, guard, reserve, or maybe you're about to go onto active duty, this podcast is for you. When you come to the Chaplain Basic Officer Leader course, everyone gets the same training. We train here, we instruct here with the prospect that any student who graduates this course could be called up to active duty in some capacity. Hence, this is one of the reasons why it is so important to maintain consistent physical fitness and well-being. So you may be anything from a pastor to a small business owner to even a stay-at-home parent, and you drill on the weekends and you do your annual training, you still need to maintain the Army standard of physical readiness. And that's tough because... Maybe you don't have the accountability and the motivation that you would if you're doing PT every day at your unit. So I would encourage you to dig into that field manual, Field Manual 7-22, Holistic Health and Fitness. I mentioned it last month. It is an outstanding guide for soldier readiness. And it's not just a guide for active duty chaplains. It is a guide for all component chaplains. Okay, so I have a special guest on the show this month, and what we are going to focus on this month is really what does it mean to be the whole uh, chaplain, to have that whole body component of readiness, not just spiritual, mental, physical, you know, we can talk about the different domains uh, of readiness that FM 7-22, they all feed into this idea of wholeness. And so our guest this month is Meredith Phipps. And Meredith is a clinical intern in the integrative health field, currently pursuing a Master of Science at the Maryland University of Integrative Health. And you're almost done. Yep. And uh, that's that's got to be exciting. That's Very that's cool. Exciting. Awesome. That is, that's great. So Meredith, why don't you just introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do. Sure. Um, Well, I am, as you said, um, pursuing a master's of science in the integrative health field. It's a clinical degree, and I was really drawn to this field for whole person health. And so for the last two years, um, I've been almost two years, I've been pursuing that degree. It is um, a master's of science in yoga therapy, and that really deals with whole person wellness. It's a complementary healthcare practice as well, so we work alongside um, other practitioners and other trainers to help treat and um, support the whole person, regardless of whether or not that's from a fitness standpoint or whether it's a condition. So we can work in oncology, we can work in neurology, we can work through cardiology, or we can be working with someone much like your chaplains who are working to stay fit from a musculoskeletal point of view, a spiritual point of view. It's a lot in harmony with the FM 7-22. Got it. That's interesting. And I'm looking forward to digging into that more. But for yourself, what was it that got you interested in pursuing 
this as a career, as a profession? That's a great question. I actually began taking yoga classes in a regular gym just when my kids were little. And at the time, I didn't realize um, how much I had going on emotionally and spiritually in my life. And it was that time above any other class, above anything else that I did, it was that time on my mat with God, especially at the end of the class. There's a, there's a short period of time where you're just still. And that was a time when I really had um, God meet me where I was at and begin to heal some things in my heart and in my mind that I did not realize were, were really becoming issues. I also began to pursue counseling and just doing a, a lot in my life to draw closer in my relationship with God and really saw a healing through my whole self, mind, body, soul. Um, I've been a, a military spouse for several years. And as we went active duty, I began to see the impact and the effect of this lifestyle that we love and as spouses we love, but it does take its toll, especially when you're taking care of kids and spouses are gone. And I watched as our soldiers are giving their their bodies and their whole life to Definitely. the mission. And so my heart was to be able to give something back to those people. I went to yoga teacher training so that I could offer that and especially offer it from a, a faith-based perspective for myself, but be able to offer to that to the spouses around me. Um, was able to see some really amazing results where women were not only coming or the spouses that we were working with were not just coming to find relaxation, but they were beginning to find more connection in their relationship with God, more relaxation in their bodies. And it was really, we were seeing a larger effect. And so fast forward to today, I wanted to be able to do that in a, a more effective way. I wanted to be able to expand my knowledge to help people. And as I, as I continued pursuing that and found this master's program, um, that really was an incredible way to pursue the clinical side of it as well and offer it from the faith-based perspective as well as really having the research and science and um, clinical perspective as well. Nice. So that's, as I'm hearing you talk about some of these things, Meredith, I see that there is a connection between what you have just mentioned and, and in many ways what is found in the field manual itself. And I know that we had had a discussion uh, a little while back specifically with regards to like chapter 13 of FM 7-22, which really begins to address the whole person. An example would be, uh, and this is just recently for our our listeners. So last week we uh, conducted the ACFT and it was a diagnostic ACFT and we had some stellar performers there. Uh, We had some people who, who could stand to improve. But nevertheless, even even the stellar performers, even those who, for their age and for their experience, would probably say, and I would certainly venture to guess, that they're at their peak physical performance when it comes to the actual physical events that we require of them, be it going to the gym or running or lifting heavy weights. But there are a number of other areas in our lives that could stand to be developed more in order to make them, uh, as we like to say in the army, a more resilient individual. And so I would love to just hear from your perspective when we're addressing the whole person and not just the physical components. I mean, last month we talked, we, we drilled down really into the physical 
uh, issues that, that soldiers and chaplains struggle with, the musculoskeletal issues and physical endurance, other things that we, we deal with on a daily basis. Or for those of you in, in Compo 2 and Compo 3, maybe it's more of a, a monthly uh, ordeal, but nevertheless, it's a daily thing that we struggle with in terms of maintaining that physical readiness. But you are looking at the other side of the coin now. So I would love to just hear from your perspective Again, as it relates to chapter 13 and some of the the illustrations that exist there that address the whole person, how can our chaplains benefit from from addressing those bigger concerns? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful question. And actually, first of all, let me just say that reading FM 7-22 was exciting for me. So yes, there's a field manual out there that can be exciting to read. That is amazing. To, <laughs> I'm laughing, but that's, yes. <laughs> Partly that's probably speaks more to my passion for, uh, for this, but to see the army that they see the whole soldier, that it's not necessarily a one size fits all, but we do have these similar components. And last episode, um, I was listening to your first podcast Really, Lieutenant Colonel Bauer got into this as well as he suggested that it's really the mental preparedness, the spiritual domain, um, the things that you can do in pursuit of quality sleep, endurance and strength training, balanced diet is great, but you have to come in with like this mental fitness too, this mental preparedness. And he said, most people, most soldiers will quit mentally before they quit physically. And that really struck me. That's, That's why I really wanted to remember that quote, because I think that that's what we can bring to the table is to help from a whole person perspective. What does that even look like? What does it even look like to be mentally fit? And so certainly from the perspective of what I do of integrative health, um, of complementary health, and from the perspective of my, my degree, that is exactly what we work with. So one of the things that has come up and a lot of research, um, I would love if this is something that you would like in, to be able to drop these studies in your show notes sure, um, for people mm-hmm. so that they can pursue some of the research behind this as well. One of the things that we're definitely seeing in the research of whole person care is this idea that meaning and purpose, living out of your values, makes a difference in your whole person health and is really, I think, one of the keys to this mental preparedness that really helps you on this whole domain. So in chapter 13, to answer your question about FM 7-22, chapter 13 goes through sleep. Um, it goes through the spiritual domain. It goes through the, the community component, which is also a huge piece, how we're connecting with other people, what our relationships are like with other people, how supported we feel. Those are all components that we can address. And I think it begins with this idea of meaning and purpose. To use a really large word from this research, um, it's called eudaimonic well-being. Eudaimonic well-being. I feel like we're going to be getting a lot of good, good words, words that I have no idea what they mean, <laughs> but that's okay. I know I, you'll, you'll uh, define them for our audience here. So I will, and I'm probably going to get corrected. Um, some people say eudaimonic well-being, um, E-U-D-A. We'll put that one in the show notes too so people Sounds can look good. it up. This Sounds actually good. came, the idea came from Aristotle. He, he began to observe that when people are living out of their values and really living in the value of um, courage, faith, 
um, belief, hope, these things that, that when we're living out of those and living really into them, that we have better health overall, that we may live longer, that we may get sick less, um, that we our, our bodies function better overall. And so this has actually been studied now. It's been around for a long time. It's been studied now, and the studies that are out are really fascinating. Eudaimonic well-being from a faith perspective, you could see this as joy that surpasses all understanding versus hedonistic happiness, which is temporary happiness. The studies are showing that when they're experiencing eudaimonic well-being, this joy that surpasses all circumstances, the immune cells that create inflammation are actually, they actually decrease. And the cells that fight cancers and free radicals increase. What's interesting is that with hedonistic happiness, which I like to describe as like when I eat a cookie, that tastes really great. And then it's gone and it's done and all the cookies are gone and that happiness doesn't last. So yep. Temporary happiness. Hey, we just had like Oreo giveaway by the USO <laughs> last week. So, you know, your hedonistic happy well should be filled beyond all measure. At least everybody here on the USERL campus. To the brim, right? To the Along brim. with Girl Scout Cookie Week. Yes. So what was interesting is that we know that joy and happiness, whether it's hedonistic happiness or um, eudaimonic well-being, it does release certain neurotransmitters that are associated with joy or happiness. And those are similar. What was different in the studies is that hedonistic happiness actually turned up the inflammation in our bodies and turned down that's interesting. the cells that fight cancers. Isn't that? That's yeah. just, I think that's fascinating. So there really is something to be said for meaning and purpose in life, for mental readiness and stability, and how we come in to approach these other areas that the field manual is discussing. And I think that is incredibly important that you point that out because ideally every chaplain who or candidate who comes to chaplain school has a call that has been placed upon them, a call by God. I know just from experience that that is not always the case, that we have individuals here who are not called by by God to, to be here. They're just here for some reason of their own. And so to see those individuals try and experience that type of eudaimonic well-being in the midst of moments of suffering, be it a PT test, or we had a four mile road march this morning and that was hard for some people. Mm -hmm. The other events that we have to look at that from more of a a hedonistic perspective and really to live life that way versus looking at contentment is a struggle. And it it should be a a wake up call for, for those who who really within their hearts Mm -hmm. uh, know that they are not responding to a call. They're coming here just for whatever reason they believe they should be here other than the call that God has placed upon their hearts. So I think that's, that's critically important as well. When we talk about spiritual well-being, because there is a, there's gotta be a, a connection there between this eudaimonic well-being and, and, and your spiritual well-being. I think there's a, a deep correlation there. It should be given that students who come here are spiritually fit. We don't assume that they're not because they're all coming from different backgrounds, we don't spend a lot of time investing in their spiritual well-being. But what can often be the case with chaplains, and, and those of you who are listening, I, I encourage you to, to key in on this, is that chaplains can spend so much of their time and energy 
investing in the spiritual well-being of those that they minister to, that they neglect their own growth. So if you're coming to Chibolic and you haven't established that balance and then you go out into an environment where you are forced to, to give of yourself 110% and then some, as the Ranger Creed likes to say. But think of that now from a chaplain perspective. If you are forced into a situation where you're constantly doing ministry, maybe you're doing it during um, offset hours, so you're maybe on your reverse cycling, you're doing it at night, maybe you're having to do a series of funerals or you're assisting on casualty notifications. If you have not maintained for example, spiritual disciplines. Uh, if you don't take that time out to enter into worship, then you're not going to grow in your faith. You're not going to be spiritually well. At some point, you're going to reach that stage where you have like nothing to give because there's just nothing in the tank. So it's it's so important that students come to this school spiritually fit themselves. We don't always understand what eudaimonic well-being is and that it is, it is a comprehensive type of fitness. It's not just one component um, because you could finish you could finish this school and graduation occurs and within weeks of graduation you could be called up to do a funeral or to a session on active duty and suddenly the well is starting to to run a little low yeah so. it really reminds you of that that picture many of us have heard the illustration of you know the dead sea is the dead sea because something is always coming into it and nothing is coming out or the salt flats where there used to be water there and the water flowed out, but there was no, there was nothing flowing in and eventually it was empty. So there really needs to be an inflow and an outflow in our life and our spiritual life. If you're in a situation like you're saying, if you're in a profession where this is, you're constantly giving to another person, you could easily be in that salt flat situation where you're giving and giving and pretty soon there's nothing left, but the demand is still there. It's not that once everything is gone, you don't have anything left to give, but the demand goes away. The demand is still there. And that goes back to what Lieutenant Colonel Bauer was saying about being mentally fit and prepared because those things are going to come regardless of whether or not you're ready. So the best thing you can do to be ready is to prepare yourself now. Mm-hmm. And that means filling your tank. So we go back to that eudaimonic well-being. What does that mean to have meaning and purpose in your life? What does it mean to live out of your values? And there's another interesting study. I do love research, so I tend to bring up a lot of studies. Studies are great. There's another interesting study on the meaning in life. And there used to be the idea that there were really sort of three components to meaning and purpose in life, how people determine whether or not they have meaning and purpose, because that becomes the question, right? Okay, eudaimonic well-being, that's great. Uh, Mental preparedness, that's great. How do we get there? So they identified three different areas of a person's perception of meaning in life. Coherence, which is really making sense of the pieces of life together, that you are, all of the pieces of your life come together in some sort of coherent purpose. The other one was purpose itself, moving towards a valuable goal. And then mattering, which is the third what they named it. And that's a sense that one's life makes a difference to the greater whole. So when you look at these three, these are all very us oriented. They're very what we put out, what we produce. What this study shows is there's actually a fourth that was sort of overlooked. 
And it's called experiential appreciation. And experiential appreciation truly is exactly what it's named for. The idea of listening to a beautiful piece of music and, and appreciating it for what it is. Or rappelling down a 40-foot tower and appreciating what that experience was like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, there are many of us who have lived on installations, and we call it the sounds of freedom. When you hear, you know, gunfire oh, in the yeah, background. Oh, yeah, the howitzer's or, going off. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, many times when I've had to adjust my pictures in my on my walls. Um, but that's there's a, an appreciation for that. The best example I have of this is actually comes from Jonathan Edwards. I was an English major and love literature and especially the Puritan literature. And his journals are incredible. Jonathan Edwards actually talks about how he came into this relationship with God and came into this relationship with Christ by sitting in nature and observing creation. And that's what actually drew him closer. It didn't have anything to do with him. It had to do with observing and appreciating and having that experience. So what does that look like in our own lives? There's a lot of producing in our life. There's a lot of worth put on what do we produce? What do we bring to the table? And as you're asking about mental and spiritual readiness, what does that look like? Part of that looks like having that experiential appreciation in our time with God, in our worship, in our, our connection and what was interesting in this study was that looking at these first three in comparison to the experiential appreciation, the experiential appreciation actually had much more to do with our own perspective of meaning in life and our own purpose in life. Okay, so let's, let's bring that back then to students here at the schoolhouse in many ways, and, and this is true for any school within the Army, so if, you have, if you're listening and you've never been, been to a school before, it is very program-driven. It's very much driven by uh, our higher uh, command, which is called Training and Doctrine Command. It's what the, the schoolhouse, the, the chaplain schoolhouse falls under. And so it's, it's, it's academically rigorous, uh, it is, it's, there is some experiential learning. We do a lot of practical exercises, but it's very rapid fire. So like the flash to bang from the time that you get here and in process to when you graduate happens pretty quickly. And there's a lot that we put into that 12, 13 weeks of, of training that doesn't necessarily afford you the opportunity to, to have this, this type of uh, experiential appreciation, if you will. Those moments are actually kind of few and far between compared to the time where you're sitting in class and you're getting a PowerPoint presentation and you're engaging with your peers. You know, the time that we spend outside is, in comparison to that classroom time, is is fairly, fairly small. So it's probably helpful for our listeners to come to this school with as much appreciation is possible for the things that take you outside of your comfort zone. And by that, I mean, if you were used to sitting in a classroom and either teaching or instructing, or maybe you're used to being in, in a church or a synagogue and you're, you're the leader of that worship service, that's what you're used to. You're not used to being outside, not having showered for two or three days, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, going to a dark place in the woods, and you don't know exactly where you are. What would you say to those students who are about to enter into that type of environment 
and, and just don't know what to expect. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some anticipation. I, well, we've kind of seen it all, especially from those who have never been in the army before. But for some, it's, it's, it's a challenging experience. I believe you've had um, some experiences with this. You could speak more to this where students have come already beginning to think about their next assignment and the next thing that's coming over oh, the hill. Oh, totally. Like they're thinking about graduation. It's like you haven't even gotten out of week one. Yet. <laughs> right. Right. You already count down the days. Right. So, so it's, um, it really is a practice in the sense of this is something that we have to do on a regular basis where we begin to bring ourselves back to the present moment and find what is it that we can appreciate here and now. Um, and again, that could be just a moment, but definitely when we are building that spiritual component of our wellness, that spiritual component of of eudaimonic well-being, we have this connection to our creator where he never leaves us. And so that relationship that we have is in the present moment always. And so whether that's sitting in a long class, listening to a PowerPoint that seems like it's never going to end, or whether that's working your way through the ACFT and you feel like you're just not going to make it or you are dreading the next event, finding those moments, and that really goes back to that finding meaning and purpose in life. What is the meaning and purpose that brought you to Chibolic? What is the meaning and purpose that brought you to this place with your cadre around you and your fellow platoon members? What is it that you can actually appreciate? It's a it's an exercise for sure. It is. And I think all of us who have been in the army for more than a day and who believe in the mission not only of the United States Army, but certainly of our role as chaplains in the chaplain corps, would want future chaplains and students to have those experiential moments regularly and see as I am getting counseled for some minor mistake that I did, this is a moment of experiential appreciation. Yeah, sure. Even there's, thinking there's of growth. To, yeah, there's there's absolutely there's growth to it. There's there's things to learn from that experience. It's negative in the moment, but there there are positive outcomes to those types yeah. of experiences. And the army itself is is one giant experiential appreciation moment. And again, if if you're listening and you're unfamiliar with with the army culture, there is a pervasive thread of negativity that exists within the army, but you almost become endeared to it after a while. It's almost like this satirical humor that you can laugh about at the end of the day when you hear privates grumbling or you see memes on Facebook about the foolish things that can occur in the army. But it can really, if, if you allow it to, it can affect your outlook on life. Well, and I really want to be clear, too, that what we're talking about is not making everything a positive right. moment. Sure. We're not talking that about... realistic. Yes. Not everything needs to go our way. Not everything needs to be a positive moment. Not everything needs to fit in our expectations of right. what is good or bad. That's the beauty of this experiential appreciation as well. Sometimes it is, like we talked about, experiencing creation and nature. And other times it's recognizing a moment that is really difficult and that is pushing us to our limits. Mm -hmm. 
when we have meaning and purpose in our life, when we're living in that eudaimonic well-being, and this absolutely goes to our spiritual fitness, our mental fitness, our support and our community that we have, when we're living out of that, that's how we get through these moments. Suffering happens all the time. How do we live through the suffering? Right. And I, and I would say if we as chaplains don't figure that out from 12 or 13 weeks of what I would consider kind of mild suffering, how do you expect to go from this and then to go care authentically for soldiers who really are suffering because the buddy to the left or the right of them died in combat yeah. or, you know, they're, they're just their wife or their husband left them or some other tragedy has befallen them and they come to you. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm not saying we should have like a Pollyanna view of life, but we really should uh, learn. I mean, when you boil it down to what it is, it's being content in all circumstances. It goes back to the joy in all circumstances. Yeah. That's you diamonic well-being. Remember, we're not saying hedonistic happiness in all circumstances. We're sure. saying joy that surpasses understanding. Yeah. Surpasses and that, all you know, again, goes back to what you were saying in the first podcast when you all were talking about that that mental toughness and, and mental readiness, that's what's going to prepare you for the harder times. Absolutely. If I can offer, as we close, too, that this is really the beginning of this conversation. This is a practice that you do on a regular basis. There are certainly things that you can do that help to foster this in your life, but this is definitely not just a one-and-done, okay, now you know what eudaimonic well-being is, now you know that seeking out what your meaning and purpose is really important for this mental stability and for mental readiness, spiritual readiness. But this is a lifestyle. This is a relationship that you have with God. And this is more than just checking off a box. I'd love to offer the studies that I've mentioned in your show notes Mm -hmm. and maybe a couple of other links just to get you thinking about how do I foster this in my life and where do I go from here? Yeah, definitely. When, uh, when I release that next podcast, I will put those links in, be, make sure they are embedded in the description and have those available to anybody who would be interested in uh, getting some more information on eudaimonic well-being and how that could apply to their time here. Well, again, thank you, Meredith, for joining us this month. Great insights on well-being Next month, Chaplain Jim Murray will be joining me to talk about his experience as a master fitness trainer and how that has enhanced his ministry as an Army chaplain. As always, if you have enjoyed what you heard, click subscribe in your podcast app and feel free to leave a review as well. Have a great day.